If you're an executive, entrepreneur, seasoned investor, or just a student of the game, you'll love The Great Fail, Adweek's Entrepreneurship Podcast of the Year, a show that artfully uncovers some of the biggest fails in business history and how it might have been prevented. The Great Fail is entertaining, informative, and told through a true crime narrative in under 30 minutes that keeps you at the edge of your seats. So check out The Great Fail wherever you get your podcast. Boasting over 11 million downloads per month, as well as the title of Apple's Best of 2018, it's no secret that the Jordan Harbinger Show is a must-listen in the podcast space. In this episode of On the Mic with Bad Results Media, Nathan Spell and I sit down with Jordan to discuss his successes and advice to others looking to break into the podcast space, as well as what it's like to start over after hitting reset on your life. So let's get started. And I was recording the talks to CDs, and then I would give the CDs to people who wanted the talks. It's really easy to look at what you don't have and think, how am I going to get back there? ABG is like, okay, what can I do for you? Some of the most long lasting media personalities and in any media format are what radio. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Personally, before we start with the rest of the interview, I'd like to know more about the Sphinx cat on your website that's my hairless cat momo he has no hair he's hairless sphinx so he really is hairless he's not shaved or anything he's just like a mutant (laughs) cat that doesn't have any hair and it's great because he feels like smooth all the time and he doesn't shed because there's no hair right you know how he feels yeah Uh yeah he feels like a (laughs) little peach I love it. I I love those cats. I love watching videos of them. I hear they're really funny. Like, yeah, they're like dogs. They don't. Well, mine are. They don't bite or scratch, but they also don't like. They don't. They're not moody, really. I mean, he's still a cat, so he jumps around, and sometimes he doesn't want to hang out. But you know how a lot of times cats they'll like scratch up your. They'll scratch at you when they're not in the mood, or like these cats, you can like pick them up and throw them around and wrestle with them and stuff, and they just like will leave if they don't if they're not in the mood and and both of my cats are like that both of my hairless sphinx cats are like oh that. you have two yeah i have two yeah you're probably good with the baby right Jordan? um they are pretty good yeah and he my kid who's 14 months old he like smacks them because he doesn't know how to pet gently and they just kind of like sit there they don't get mad they'll like slowly walk away or they'll just take it because they know he's a baby i guess they can tell so they don't get mad So I'm curious how natural it was for you to take the leap into podcasting and if there was any reason why you chose podcasting over pursuing like a talk show career. Yeah, uh, I started podcasting in 2006. So the reason I started originally was because I was giving lectures often and there was no place for me to record my lectures and post them because there's no YouTube or anything like that. So I was giving talks and I was recording the talks to CDs and then I would give the CDs to people who wanted the talks. But then it was like a huge pain to distribute these CDs. Then I started charging for the CDs. Then the price of the CDs went up because people really wanted to get these talks on there. And then I was like, oh, let me make it entertaining. And then I kept saying, I just wish I could put these on the internet because then I can tell you where to go get it. And then a friend of mine was like, just put an MP3 file on a server, like a GoDaddy server. So I did that. And that was the beginning of essentially the podcast telling people how to get it, though. They would be like, I don't know. I click on it. Nothing happens because there were no embeddable web players at the time that could play MP3s. At least I didn't think so. Back in 2006, there probably were, but I just didn't know how to do it. 
And then a friend of mine was like, you can put these in iTunes and everyone has iTunes on their computer. So I put them up in iTunes as a podcast and that was the beginning of the show. So I didn't think like, I'm going to be a talk show host. You know, I was like, I just need to put these sound files online. I know that there have been so many changes in your career and in your life. Um, And, you know, what I'm really curious about is what is it like to basically have to hit reset and what are some of the takeaways um, you know, from that experience that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, anytime you need to restart, it's really <sighs> harrowing is a little bit dramatic, but it can feel that way because you look at the mountain that you were on before where you'd climbed up this this giant thing and you're on the top and you think, I built a show with 100,000 listeners or I built a career and I've, I'm a partner at a law firm, whatever it is. And then you get humbled or you leave and you make a switch or you pivot. You think to yourself that you have to reclimb that same mountain and that the path is going to be similar or the same, or at least take the same amount of time. And it, and it really isn't true. You know, when I had to start over with my podcast or my business a few years ago from the sh- show that it eventually evolved into the Jordan Harbinger show, I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. It took me 11 years building my previous show. Now I'm starting again. What am I going to do? I had first to market advantage before or early to market advantage, I guess you would say before. And now I'm just going to start fresh. How is this even going to be possible? And then you kind of realize, well, I'm not really starting from scratch. You know, I've got my relationships that I have from my network. I know a bunch of people. I've earned a lot of trust. There's a lot of equity in your personal brand. You have a lot of technical knowledge. You have a lot of skill. And so it's really easy to look at what you don't have and think, how am I going to get back there? And, and harder to look at w- the resources that you do have on your side. Plus technology and things like that changes so quickly that somebody who spent 11 years building a show from 2006 to uh, 2017, 2018, whatever it was, that is, you're, you're talking about a show that started in a market where there were like 800 podcasts and then starting a new show in a market with a million plus podcasts or, or 900,000 or whatever it was when I started again, started over again, that I thought, oh my gosh, there's too much competition. But what that really meant was that the opportunity was bigger. The market was bigger. There were more listeners. People were sharing things more. You didn't have people go, what's a podcast? You know, you were just able to say, there's a podcast you should listen to. So things were sharing faster, spread faster. So it really was tough and stressful in the beginning. And I lost a lot of sleep over it. But after a while, you kind of realize that if you do it once, it could be luck, but if you do it again, it's probably skill and you have the skills and you have the experience. So it's hard to think of that in the moment because you're worried about whether or not you're going to be successful. But truthfully, I think that it, it pays to look at that as an advantage and, and a, an opportunity to hit the reset button as opposed to something happening to you where you've had to hit the reset. It's better to reset yourself than to, to have got reset by, by circumstances. So in that moment where you're sort of, you're taking the initiative to like hit reset, what exactly was it that made you want to continue specifically like with podcasting? Well, I mean, some of it was, what am I comfortable doing? What industries do I know? What do I enjoy? And podcasting really ticked all those boxes. You know, a lot of people said, hey, don't start podcasting, start YouTube. That's something that grows faster. And I was thinking, you know, I look at the metrics on YouTube. I look at people I know that do YouTube. I look at the economy of YouTube. I don't really like it. And I don't really enjoy producing video content. Do I really want that kind of a learning curve or do I want to kind of like get stable income 
building a podcast. And I thought, you know, it would take me a year or so and I'd get to 20,000 downloads and then I'd get another year and I'd get to 30,000. And now we're up in the hundred plus thousand or hundreds of thousands. And even in the first eight months of restarting the show, I was already in a better spot than I was after 11 years of the previous show, just because everything was intentional. Well, and what about building a brand? How do you handle the stress of building your own brand, especially rebuilding your own brand and and rebuilding a show? Well, you lose a lot of sleep uh, for sure. You call on a lot of your friends and relationships and see who's going to help you and who's willing to help you and what network connections you can call upon. You lean on your network. Podcast One, you know, was really instrumental in the beginning. They signed me right away, basically taking a flyer on the new show, which probably had no, they had very little reason to do that. So you find out who really sort of believes in you and who your real friends are, so to speak. And the truth is you probably have a lot more friends than you think you do. You know, when you see those ESPN series and they go like, oh man, you find out who your friends are whenever these guys are broke after like 10 years after leaving the NBA. That was kind of what I expected, but it turned out to be like, wow, you find out who your real friends are. And there's people coming out of the woodwork and people that you talked to three times over the last three years that are like, I would love to help you. I see what you're doing is great. Really believe in you. And people that uh, were sort of acquaintances saying like, hey, if I could buy stock, I would buy it. You know, stock in Jordan Harbinger, I'd buy it in you here. I'm going to mail this out to my email list, whatever. So it's all about the goodwill that you build beforehand and that you build over time. It's not like... It's it's fun to see that come out, and it's not as hard as people think it is. I think a lot of it is about giving to a lot of other people, helping a lot of other people without the expectation of anything in, in return. And then over time, you build that social capital and that goodwill. And then when it comes back to you, it's really rewarding. You know, I think a lot of people who find themselves out in the cold and no one's going to help them, I always have to wonder, like, well, how much did you help other people when they needed it? Because when I reached out for help, I had a lot of people help me out. Um but I also help a lot of other people out all the time. I don't think I would have had as good of a luck restarting if I'd just been like concerned with what's in it for me for the 11 years prior to my restart. I think I was always helpful to other people. I was always giving instead of ABC always be closing. It's always ABG always be giving, right? You know, the Glengarry Glen Ross, like always be closing. That's like what's in it for me. But ABG is like, okay, what can I do for you that doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily going to cost me much. Like you need an introduction. Fine. You need me to help you out with something. Fine. You need a little bit of expertise. Fine. You need another 5% on your deal. No way, Sue. Um, but if you need, <laughs> if you need to, uh, another little bit, like a little bit of help, a little bit of carry, it's all good. Right? So that's the kind of thing that I did for years and years and years and years and years. And I never went, Hey, remember that time that I helped you out? I never did that. So when I needed help, people were like, Oh, this guy never asks for help. Always helps other people. He needs it, and I'm in a position to offer it finally after him helping me out for five, six, seven, eight, whatever years, or just them enjoying the show and the things that I've created with the Jordan Harbinger show that built a lot of goodwill. So I think lean on your relationships, lean on your goodwill. Yes, it's going to be stressful. There's not much you can do about that. If you don't have an appetite for any sort of risk, you know, definitely don't go into business for yourself. But uh, I think you know, the as much as you can do to de-risk things is always great. And the best thing you can do to de-risk things is have a lot of great people around you. Yeah, I love that. And I love the way that you talk about like the importance of it being without the expectation, because, you know, that's real goodwill that transfers, you know, otherwise it's just asking like for a tit for tat kind of thing, which is totally disingenuous. Yeah, you end up with transactional people. So, the, you know, those people that go, hey, 
if you get me on this, I'll give you that. I never want to get into bed with those people. I mean, look, if there's a negotiation in a business, that's one thing. That's fair. But the people who say something like, hey, Jordan, I've got a great opportunity for you. And you go, okay, great. And, and then it's got some weird string attached. That's bad. You don't want to get into bed with those people or into business with those people, right? Like, look, if someone says, I'm going to get you to interview uh, Magic Johnson, but I want to come with you, that's not what I'm talking about. That's fine. That's a fair ask. But when someone says like, oh, hey, I want to introduce you to this person, but in return, I want you to introduce me to this other person, don't take those deals because these transactional people, they're rarely ever satisfied with what you supply them. So they, they leave the deal unhappy. You feel like you've been forced to do something in order to get something else and a lot of the time if you don't have th these aren't long-term relationships right because if you don't have anything to offer those people they're not going to help you so like that's the kind of person who those tit for tats if i called and said hey i'm starting over can you help me they're going to be like why would i do that you have nothing to offer me right now they don't understand that abg generosity they they're never going to be there for you if you need something from them, unless you can provide something else. And further, those are the type of people that also will say, oh, you really need me right now. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll help you, but you have to do these five things for me later. And then you're just like, why am I doing this? It's like taking a loan with 100% interest. No, thanks. You should get away from those people as fast as you can. Like you never need anything from anyone bad enough to get into a deal like that. I think that that's really excellent advice. I feel like a lot of folks who are looking to break into different industries and, and not just podcasting, but you know, various industries, they hook up with the wrong people just because they're looking for an in. So I think that that's a really important lesson to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that there's a literal, when I was in law school, there was something called quid pro quo, sexual harassment, right? And what that is, 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 is it is a tit for tat, literally, I guess, in this case, it is, <laughs> it is, you do this for me and dot, 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 right? So that's what that means. So you don't want to be in an arrangement for them. And that's why we see this stuff coming out of Hollywood, like, oh, well, this happened. Well, how did that happen? Of course, these people are in positions of power, the other person wants to get into the industry. That can happen in any industry, it might not necessarily be the same type of trade. But you don't want to get into a situation in which you have essentially given someone leverage over you for some kind of favor. Like it, it, you don't need that. You don't need that in business. I've never seen a situation in which you absolutely need to allow that to happen. There are so many good people to work with, especially in something like podcasting or digital media. You don't have to work with the a-holes. You just don't. You can just walk right around them. There's always another deal around the corner. Kind of going back to podcasting, what would you say is the most interesting thing that has happened to you during your podcasting journey? The most interesting thing that's happened to me during my podcasting journey. Woo, that's such a broad question. You want to file that one down a little bit at all? Give me a little bit of a... Sue is raising her hand. I'm saying me. Oh, God. <laughs> Can, how do you mute on Zoom? <laughs> um, <laughs> you want to you narrow that down a little bit? We'll make it a little simple. Who's been your favorite guest so far? Oh, yeah, that's tough. I mean, and... So many good people with so many different things to say. It was great to be able to interview Kobe Bryant a few months before he passed. That was great for various reasons. Um, Frank Abagnale from Catch Me If You Can, the real guy from Catch Me If You Can, he was really interesting because he just tells all these stories about becoming a fake airline pilot, lawyer, doctor. But, I mean, other amazing folks that are still around and, and very much current like Ray Dalio, who is a hedge fund investor. I mean, these guys have great insight into the markets. 
it's really hard to pick one favorite guest. Everybody, especially with the Jordan Harbinger show, right? Because I've got a mafia enforcer one week, and then the next week I've got a hedge fund guy, and then the next week I've got a retired FBI agent, and the next week I've got a neuroscientist. I'm actually really excited to go back and find the episode with Frank Abagnale because I just recently watched that movie for the first time. So I'll, I'll be digging through the archives for that one. Episode one, easy to find. We've sort of covered like the guests and, and you know, your trajectory of the show. I'm curious, like we're building a show here and it's not a typical kind of a podcast, but there are listeners out there who are building and, and growing an audience and they're maybe hoping to make a, a living with the show. What are your words or advice for them? I would say that podcasting, unless you have a built-in audience already, is a pretty slow way to start making money. Um, I'm, you know, look, if you are a celebrity or an influencer or whatever you want to call it, go for it, start a podcast. But I think a lot of people expect it to grow like YouTube or social media where they post pictures of their lunch and then they expect it to grow. And podcasting is great because in many ways it's a meritocracy of the quality of content. In many ways, it's not. You know, you start off with a bang if you're Conan O'Brien, but those are few and far between. And people share shows they love, and they stay loyal to shows they love, and they quickly tire of shows that they don't. So what's great about podcasting for me is I can do great content, and even though I'm not some sort of widely known celebrity, I can retain an audience and slowly grow an audience over time. Whereas, so in a way, it's the sort of like the great equalizer, right? Because then you see these other celebrities dive in or somebody with 20 million YouTube subscribers. And then suddenly it's like, oh, that show's getting 4,000 downloads an episode. What happened? Oh, well, it started at 30 and then it went to 20 and then it went to 10 and now it's at four. And I bet next week it's going to be at one because that person doesn't put any thought into their content. And also it's really good for people like me who have a face for radio and aren't going to be putting my, you know, my booty short photos on Instagram or, you know, YouTube or anything like that. I can just read books and talk to smart people. So if you're good in, in long format conversation, you know, you're witty or funny, which I'm not, but at least, you know, you can read and hold a conversation, which I can. That's a huge advantage. Whereas on YouTube, a lot of the things that are prized on YouTube are the same things prized on television, youth, beauty, shock value. I don't want to make a business out of any of that because then you have to outdo people and you can't outdo people with youth and beauty. Shock value is a downward spiral. So that's why you see some of the, some of the most long lasting media personalities and in any media format are what radio with Howard Stern, Larry King, that, that type of thing. Um, now you're seeing Joe Rogan getting a hundred million dollar deal. Why did Rogan get a hundred million dollar deal from Spotify? Where are all these movie stars getting their deals from? They're getting one or less million dollar deals because they, everyone knows they can't do the long format thing. They're not able to do it. You have to have a special skill set to do it. And you have to be, uh, you have to be able to be smart and, and be able to hold the audience's attention for long periods of time. And you can't run out of stuff to say. Whereas a lot of times with YouTube, you can just jump on a table full of food as a hilarious prank and suddenly your channel gets 100,000 subscribers, but then next week, nobody cares. So then next week, you're jumping off the roof into a pool. You know, like that's what those people are competing for. And that's why you see the comments you do on YouTube. Not that everybody on there is some kind of drooling idiot, but podcasting is decidedly a better audience. And if you, when people argue with me about this, I go, great. Tell me what your CPM is for YouTube. Oh, $4, $3. Cool. Mine's 25, 30. So the market says my audience is smarter and more affluent. And that's what podcasting has. 
Nobody else is getting those kinds of CPMs ever, not even close. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because the network rate, like some agencies now, ad results is like started like in personality radio and then um, uh, morphed into a lot of podcasting is one of the, is the, is the top agency for podcasting in the country. And it, it's funny that they, they understand and see that because they know how to buy it. And you'll get these other agencies that will try to buy it in the network radio. And they're like, well, we buy network radio at $4 or $6 CPM. I'm like, okay, well, that, good luck to you because that's not what's happening here. And what we say, and I say all the time, like if, if you, you have a lot of social media followers, that's great. But that doesn't mean you can hold a conversation for 40 minutes. You know, it's like, but give me your first episode, your third episode, your 10th episode. Let's see. Because like, as Jordan said, these top people, and, and I've had conversations with people, they're like, oh, great. You have this great star who's starting. They don't usually last more than a year. You know, they get a guarantee for a year. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. Because people... And what you pointed out is so amazing is that how upscale that a podcast listener is. And that's why they're hard to grow and hard to to build because smart, affluent professionals or whoever's listening, they don't have 10 free hours in a day to listen to something. They're selective in what they download and what they listen to because they are paying attention. And so they want higher quality content, which is harder to make. So that's why when you see things like TikTok and people are these, they're, I have 100,000 plays on TikTok. Cool. What are you monetizing that at? 400 bucks, maybe if you're lucky. I mean, this is nothing. You know, there's nothing there because it's all 13 year olds or people sitting on the toilet. You know, whereas podcasting is like lawyers, doctors, and normal people who are going about their day that have a level of trust with the person that they're listening to because they're listening to you for an hour or three hours a week or whatever it is. Whereas, you know, everything else is just kind of a very passive stare at the stare at the screen experience. That level of trust, that's so accurate. Everybody that I talk to, they talk about having what they feel like is a very personal relationship with the folks that they're listening to. Like they really come to, to, trust their opinions and their their views on things it's it's really interesting yeah I, I mean it's one of the biggest benefits of podcasting is people say things like i bought this but i don't need it i'm gonna give it away to a friend but i just wanted to support your show sponsor or they're like hey i can't order anything because i live in new zealand can i paypal you five hundred dollars and i'm yeah sure i'll buy pizza or steak or whatever for my team you know that happens all the time and i'm sure that that happens to certain youtubers and things like that i don't mean to like slam youtubers there are plenty that make a ton of money that are vlogging that have a great personal relationship with their audience but it's just not the majority and with social media influencers you see a lot of like wide influence where they'll post something and it'll get a bunch of likes and a bunch of emoji comments uh, but it, not necessarily like deep interaction. You know, I'm looking at the amount of email that I get from people and I tell people that I know that have like 4 million followers on Instagram and they're like, oh, I just get DMs. And they're all like, well, I won't say that on the show, but the, a lot of them are photographs, so let's put it that way. <laughs> or, or emojis, yeah, or eggplant emojis, right? And I'm like, okay, I don't get that. I get three paragraph or five page letters about how the show has improved someone's life. That's a level of trust uh, and connection that sponsors want and are willing to pay for. And that's why CPMs are higher. And, and like, there's just kind of no argument here. If, if YouTube and, and social media had that same kind of connection, their CPMs would be higher, period. How have you approached 
creating the podcast and continuing with the interview format uh, now? I mean, now it's all remote, which is great because all these people who are flying everywhere or like setting up video camera crews and everything, they're like, oh God, how do I do this remotely? And I'm just thinking, welcome to the first 12 years of my career, right? Just recording stuff remotely on Skype or whatever, like, you know, something like that. And and now we have all these great tools like uh, squadcast.fm and things like that that record high quality dual end interviews. So we use those and people are just blown away that they even exist, you know, just like people who are now finding out they don't need seven conference rooms in a skyscraper in Manhattan. They just need Zoom. We were actually checking out Squadcast earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Great products. So do you have any other projects coming down the pipeline that we should be looking out for? I am. Well, I'm focused on growing the show. I actually have been focused a lot on on growth recently just because i'm cooped up and there's not a whole heck of a lot else that i can do so i'm cracking the code in terms of marketing podcasts because i've I've realized that ads on other shows are really what drive listens and working with companies like chartable and trying to figure out attribution there of course i'm looking forward to different projects i've got going with podcast networks like podcast one uh trying to figure out how i can get more hours in the day to record things because that's what I really like doing. So for me, it's all about cracking the code on growing shows because if I can grow my show using advertising and help other people grow their shows using advertising, we can increase the market share uh, that these shows have in the space. And and it's kind of nice to be able to do that because I think, I mean, look, we've seen that there's a lot of money coming into podcasting. That's not going to slow down anytime soon, especially as supply of social media impressions goes way up and the quality goes down, podcasting has the potential to actually be that sort of top 1% uh, in terms of the best content being able to be monetized in a really, really great way and pay for a good living for people like me. So I think it's it's a great way to create content that helps people run a business, make a good living doing it. And the production is pretty easy. I mean, as you know, like this is advanced stuff right here. We have video. But for most podcasts, you can literally just use almost anything. You can have people on the phone, and as long as they're recording a voice memo on their iPhone on the table sitting next to them, you can put those two things together, and it sounds like you're in the same room almost. So that's the type of thing that's that's really exciting about the medium. It democratizes content creation, but not necessarily in a way that lowers quality all the time. Yeah, that's one of our favorite things about podcasting. And we've actually talked about that um, quite a bit, how there's very little gatekeeping, and it's fairly cheap to get started i mean just to put it bluntly like it's there's it doesn't take a whole lot just to set up and and get rolling as long as your content is good and you've put some thought into it i'm seeing people even talk about it almost like a blank page syndrome now which is like to think that that's where we are where podcasting is almost so easy that people are like okay well i know i want to start a podcast of something but that that now the question is what is the idea i mean with that in mind like any final tips for success, like building a, a show from scratch for, for listeners who are in that stage? Building a show from scratch. I mean, that's always tough, right? I would say focus on your content and not your metrics for the first few years. Most people try and figure out how to crack the code, how to get more downloads. And then they're like, oh, this one got 100 downloads and this one got 112. What did I do differently? What, what did I title it differently? There's a place for that. But the thing that I think helped me the most was when I started was... There were no download metrics in 2007. You would just look at some server data and be like, you had 11,000 requests 
Okay, I don't even know what that means, right? So I just kept doing it and kept focusing on what I liked doing, which was talking to people, interviewing, having conversations. I didn't worry about whether one episode was more popular than the other. And then as technology caught up, I was like, oh, okay, we can start to measure different things and, and track these as well. But people get caught up in these traps, and that's why a lot of people quit podcasting is they go, oh, man, my audience isn't growing. Okay, well, maybe it's a quality issue. It's probably not because you don't have the right SEO in your titles. Just focus on the skills. And the other thing I would say is don't even worry about monetizing for the first couple of years because even if you start with a bang and you get some serious luck, what do you make in a couple hundred bucks per episode? I mean, you're not going to quit your job with it anytime soon. So play the slow game. And over years, you'll find out if it's really for you. And if you quit before then, it, it's you didn't quit because you couldn't monetize it. You quit because it's not for you. This is a hobby that you can monetize, not a career that you jump into that is, is some sort of like glamorous thing. Like for most, it's early YouTube where you start it and then you're surprised when you make money. That's what it should be like because that's where most people end up anyways. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes and leave us a comment with your feedback, questions, or ideas for future segments. If you would like more info on Ad Results Media and what we do, please visit us online at adresultsmedia.com. This podcast is an Ad Results Media production. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.